Spirit, we ask one thing from you today, that you would open our hearts to receive what you have for us, and that we would have a heart ready to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, that section sat down quick. The church is growing. I don't know if you realize this, but wow. 8.30 is filling up too. Yeah. We were having fun there. Yeah. Really exciting. You could hear it. You could feel it, couldn't you, Micah? Yeah. Way to go, guys. I love it. So I get asked frequently. Uh, they say, people say, many of you in the room, say, now, Charlie, aren't you the lead pastor? And I go, yeah, I'm the lead pastor. And uh, if you're the lead pastor, then how come you don't do most of the speaking? They're not necessarily they want me, saying that they want me to do most of the speaking. They're just asking me the question. Because actually, you know, in, uh, in most churches, um, the lead pastor does the majority of the speaking. You've got to do that. Matter of fact, it's widely known that uh, whoever does most of the speaking is considered the primary leader of the place. And uh, that is certainly true. That is true, and yet uh, something else is going on here that's different, and all the reasons are good, I've got to tell you. All the reasons are really good. Um, I'm going to tell you a couple of them. One is that uh, God has done something special in the house and in the orchard and in the leadership uh, for me and for Daniel in particular, our teaching pastor, you may realize that most churches, and actually I'm not sure of any that I know of on the western slope, <clears throat> just mega churches that are in metropolitan areas, actually have a lead, I mean a teaching pastor that's separate. We have a teaching pastor here. Yeah, amen. That was the teaching pastor. For you pod that was the teaching pastor who spoke up from back there. And uh, we do that because uh, we can, because God has done something so profound in bringing us together in unity, a unity that's not just organizational, not just a great idea, but uh, where God is, has, out of really difficult uh, times, strong personalities, all that kind of stuff, has brought about a love for one another, a bond, uh, especially between Daniel and I, uh, and... Uh, and a clear focus on what God has for us to do here in this simple vision, in this simple movement of loving God and loving people. And so um, even though uh, a lead pastor, the cultural expectation of a lead pastor is that you do most of the preaching. Um, I don't really care about the cultural expectations of most lead pastors. What I actually care about is being a part of a movement, be a part of something great. And, uh, uh, and I believe that the orchard has a special assignment for just exactly that. It's a very special thing that we're walking in. So one reason that uh, we can do this is because Daniel and I have such a, a high level of trust. Not just trust that he will say and do the things I want him to say and do, like bullet points, but that he has my heart. Because I have no doubt in my calling as a lead pastor of this church. I have zero doubt. And uh, uh, I recognize that... Uh, uh, the uh, primary part of the vision is something God has given me. And I have complete confidence in Daniel's ability, uh, or even better, to make that happen. So that is uh, a very special reason. That's one. The other reason is embedded in Acts chapter 14. Okay? So we're going to use Acts chapter 14 uh, to get a little deeper or a much deeper understanding 
of uh, this movement stuff. So Acts, right, is this book we've been studying where we're finding out the characteristics of a movement. We did Luke for a couple years, took that long, not just to get through Luke, but to go from uh, whoever we were to being Jesus' people. We were re-Jesusing the church and ourselves, so everything is about Jesus. Jesus is the main thing. If you got anything out of all that, that we're about Jesus, you can have all the opinions you want about everything else, doctrines, whatever, like, but it all lands back to Jesus. That's what we did. Jesus is the main thing, and we keep the main thing the main thing. That's what we're about. So then coming out of that, what happened as a result? Well, we wanted to go into the book of Acts, which is basically talking about what happened as a result of that. And we're calling this like rechurching, you know? Now we're finding out what the church is all alike, about and like, and what a movement is like uh, going forward. We've learned some great things, um, some profound things about uh, what it looks like when the Holy Spirit shows up, what it looks like in leadership, what it looks like how, how uh, uh, this miraculous stuff happens. All that kind of stuff's going on. Last week, David uh, Miller, great job by David Miller, by the way, when he was talking about this missionary journey that uh, launched where Paul and Barnabas, throw up the map here, um, we're on a missionary journey. It's the first one. Uh, there's going to be three of them of, of where uh, they launch out to uh, bring the kingdom and the message uh, around uh, up into Rome and around that area. This is the first one. Now, when I was in college, I was a history major. And um, I would sit myself, because of my attention span, right in front, which is short, right in front of the map. So I would be in front of the map so I could watch the map as we were talking about whatever was going on because history can get pretty boring and, uh, and of who did this and who did that. Well, I don't necessarily need you to remember that there were three missionary journeys or on this missionary journey they left from here and went to there and that the time span that this happened was two years and actually was from 46 AD to 48 AD. Uh, all that kind of stuff you may or may not be interested in, and you can, you can get into that more, but I put the map up here so you can get a picture of what was happening, okay? So last week, David brought us up in this missionary journey to Cyprus, uh, Cyprus, and he said there were four things that we could learn from what we saw going on there, right? One, they were commissioned to go. They were on mission as they went. They had purpose. They encountered opposition great point he had last week, if you recall, that sometimes when you're doing the right thing, you get opposed because you're doing the right thing. You know, so often we think uh, that if anything's going wrong, it must be something wrong with me. Actually, it might be something right with you, is what that was about. And then the fourth thing he said, that they were persistent. And that brought us up to this point right now. So I'm doing chapter 14, and uh, there's a lot of stuff happening in chapter 14. We are in, uh, in this series, and right now I'm going to call this sermon, this title, uh, on your bulletin it says, um, preach it. You know, I like that old Baptist thing, preach it. You can do that or not. I'm not sure which one I prefer. Maybe not. Uh, but if I, was, if I had gotten this before the print was ready, I'd have titled this one, The Sermon Sermon, because it's a sermon about a sermon. And, uh, and uh, I've never done that before. Matter of fact, I've never spoke from this, this uh, portion of Scripture, but there's something in here that's particularly profound about understanding even what God is doing here. And I think you're going to find that the message is important for the movement, and the message is important for our life. And so if the message is important and significant, then we have to give attention 
to how we approach and respond to it. If this movement's going to happen and if transformation is going to happen in our life. That's where I'm going with this. So let me get you up to speed on what's happening. Starting off with, uh, 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 there's right at the beginning of the chapter. Paul and Barnabas, it says, uh, by the way, I got the best note I ever got. Dear Orchard, I love your muse-ic and your food. It's precious. Your friend, Juniper. So that, that's my, Juniper, way to go. That's my, uh, that's my, my bookmark. That I, she just handed that to me a second ago. I go, you got that right, Juniper. We got great music. Verse 1, At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. See, Iconium is when they crossed the water, now onto the mainland. And there they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas uh, spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Those things are important. We're going to circle back to those things in a minute. I'm just giving you the timeline uh, right now. What happens after they do that, some of the people believed and some of them didn't. And the ones that didn't uh, were dead set against them. Matter of fact, they put a, a plan together of how they were going to stone them. But Paul and Barnabas found out about it, and they went to the next town, which is Lystra. And uh, they went to this next town, Lystra, and it says that in Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. Paul's talking, giving a sermon, giving a message. And he had been at that way from birth, and he never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. That's church right there. That's church. So the picture is, he's up here looking out there, sees faith for something to happen, and then has the guts to actually go stand up and walk, and the guy did. Wow. Stuff's happening in this new, I mean, that's some, that's some uh, serious preaching. So far, I haven't seen that yet, but maybe. And then you know what happens um, the crowd saw what Paul had done. They shouted in the Lycanian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. And Barnabas, they called Zeus, and they called Paul Hermes because he was the speaker. And then they ran to the priest of Zeus and said, hey, the, the, the gods have come down in human form. And, and they, he grabbed a bull and said, well, let's go. We got to do a sacrifice. It must have been big news for a priest of Zeus. And they ran to Paul and Barnabas, and they wanted to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. They go, no, 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 we're just men. What are you talking about? Matter of fact, they tried to do everything they could to convince them that they were just men. And uh, uh, it says that they weren't completely successful in that right there. Isn't that awkward or odd? That they are sitting there talking about God who became man, and these people mix it up with their cultural polytheism and turn and say, whoa, the gods are coming down. They miss the fact, uh, apparently, that uh, uh, Jesus, the God-man, had come and died for them. Yeah. And so uh, <clears throat> then Jews come over. I'm just giving you a little timeline here, and then I'll draw out what we need. Uh, Jews come over from Antioch, try and kick him out again, and this time they catch Paul, and they catch Paul, and they stone him just like they did Stephen. 
They stone him, and then they drag him outside of the town and leave him there for dead. And uh, we can't tell, but he may have been. He may have been dead. Either way, he was out. And uh, then it says here in verse 20, I hope, but after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. This is crazy. I, I kind of I like, honestly, how underplayed this is. It's pretty underplayed. I think maybe uh, Luke, who wrote this, underplayed it because they had just elevated the, me- the messenger far above the message. And that's what they were trying to uh, change. Paul was trying to change. He gets stoned to death or close to it. And then it just says they gathered around and they're looking at him. And he got, uh, maybe he was partially, mostly dead. Or, I mean, Princess Bride stuff kind of dead significantly dead or I don't know but he was hurting and then and then he gets up and I just have a picture in my mind of how this goes he gets up and uh, um, he kind of looking I don't know if he went like what are y'all looking at or he went I know I just got stoned I won't even crack the Carbondale joke yeah I just I just got stoned I mean, he must have said, man, that hurt, or something. But, uh, but it just says, so they got up and went back to town. I'm pretty sure whatever he said after that, they're listening. I would think if you just stoned a guy and then you just walked back into town, it says they stayed there a little while. And uh, then it picks up, and they, it says they go back the way they came. They end up in Antioch, and, um, uh, where they started, which is, there's two Antiochs there, but this is the one in Syria where they started. So it says in verse 26, from Italia they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. I wanted you to get the flow of what happened. But I think there's three things uh, that are in this flow of what happened that are significant about how a movement works. The first one, if you look in verse 1, throw up verse 1, it says, they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. Honestly, this this tripped me up. This has tripped me up for a number of years. It says in verse 3 that they spoke with boldness, which means they didn't care about what might happen to them as they spoke. They spoke with boldness the word of God. So they spoke so effectively that the people who heard it believed, placed their faith in Jesus, and became Jesus' followers as a result. And I've often thought, so God, you've got this new kingdom thing that you're going to do where uh, people are going to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, And your plan is that you're going to use people who speak effective enough so that they believe and follow. Now, you already know, you educators in the room, you already know that speaking up here in front to a large crowd of people is about the least effective way that you can learn something. Right? We've got to be interactive. We've got all kinds of things we need to do to, to really get the lesson. This idea of somebody getting up in front of everybody, like the sermon about the sermon, that's what I'm doing here, and, 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 and saying something is how the kingdom is going to move. 
No doubt that the kingdom moves by one person telling another person about what God did for them. But if you get anything out of Luke and his writing, he's the author of this, about how it works in Acts, it comes by the preached word. It seems to be very significant that the word is proclaimed effectively for the move of the kingdom. I've often felt the burden of that going, Lord, are you telling me that people's eternal destiny rests on my ability to communicate the gospel? That's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. God, you couldn't come up with that? Well, I gotta say, uh, <clears throat> that's just a part of it. But yes, apparently the spoken word is essential in the movement of the kingdom. And at a time, like, you know what? This is like opposite of what you would hear in our society today right now. I mean, right now, the worst thing you can possibly do is preach. What do your high school kids tell you when they're mad at your parents? Stop preaching at me. Right? It's preaching that's wrong. Sounds like you're getting kind of preachy. Guy, guy's on his soapbox. You know, I mean, and I get it. I get it, but this has been so devalued, uh, probably because of all the abuses. And quite frankly, I was going to show you some YouTube clips. I just knew we could never unhook with them and get back to the message after seeing them because it's so bizarre what all the... Do it. Not now, but later. Google uh, extreme preaching. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's crazy what's out there, but I'm telling you, God apparently says that this is essential in the movement and, and the uh, process of the kingdom taking place. And here at this church, we have prioritized this very highly. We have prioritized this uh, as one of our top things. Just like I said earlier, there's uh, not another church really that has a, in this size, in this area, or anything like that, that has a teaching pastor. And uh, uh, that is on purpose. That's the second reason. So that we can see the gospel movement that's supposed to happen through the orchard happen here in this place. And uh, I'm not making any bones about it. I want to see what our teaching pastor brings grow this church by, t by double. Now you're going to tell me, are you just concerned about numbers? That depends on what you're counting. If you're counting people's souls, if you're counting transformed lives, then yeah, that's what I'm saying. This church has a particular responsibility. We've made a particular uh, commitment to proclaiming of the word. And we do that with your, your kids too, by the way. You realize we've got a full-time children's pastor here, and her responsibility is to teach your kids about Jesus. The kingdom only grows two ways, by telling people out there about Jesus and growing your kids up to know Jesus. That's how it works. And so we are resourcing this movement, and we are resourcing you at a level that uh, uh, I think is, is significant and profound. At a time when this, this activity right here is at its least value in our culture that it's ever been. With FOMO going on, and uh, especially in this valley, what we're doing right here um, is kind of one of the last things on the list. But I gotta tell you, we need to raise it to the top of the list. Because the, the proclaimed word of God makes a difference in the movement. And it makes a difference in our life. Matter of fact, Paul, I mean Peter, he actually said that speak as though you're speaking the very words of God. So I couldn't tell you how 
important this is. And I have valued this. And when, I, when we have the opportunity uh, to lean in like we've done with our teaching pastor, you should just get warm fuzzies that you get to be a part of this. And uh, I expect the kingdom to grow huge. What's the next thing that happened? Okay, so they're in uh, uh, Lystra, not Lystra, the first town, which is Iconium, and they give the message, and what happens? They are given power for uh, signs and wonders. And then it says Paul, who uh, is in the next town, gets up and speaks. And in the middle of the service, he sees somebody out there, like I just mentioned earlier, and he sees them and goes, there's power. The person has faith for healing. And he stops and he turns and he says, get up and walk. There's, there's this power of the Holy Spirit that's following the message. It's, it's profound. And, and the guy gets up and walks. I, I got to tell you, uh, um, I had a lesson in this myself of what's going on in this event and the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's kind of reverse. Now, some of you have been around um, for, uh, raise your hand if you've been over here five years. Okay, so I hope you've forgotten this, but I'm going to go ahead and bring it up again and uh, um, throw myself under the bus. But, uh, all you other people weren't here for this, which is sort of good. Um, so I'm, I'm preaching, and I'm in a sermon five, six years ago. How long ago was that, Doug? I knew you would know. I knew he would know exactly. I'm never asking him that again. He knew exactly. So, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm sure it was a profound sermon that day. And, uh, and I, for me, when um, we're doing this, I, I work in pictures. And I can see pictures as we're doing it. And so we're talking, and there used to be a fellow who used to go to church, a young guy, uh, development, developmentally challenged guy. And uh, he would kind of be disruptive. And, and yeah, you remember it? Start looking, everybody's looking and going, yeah, I remember that. Okay, we just get that out. I remember it too. So I'm up here, and uh, uh, this fella comes up and walks right here, stands right here. And um, I'm, I'm trying. Matter of fact, I think I even said, uh, well, we'll just continue on. But I can't, because I can't see anything, you know, in my, and it's not, nothing's there. And uh, uh, so finally I'm like, somebody help me. And then I go, well, would you get this guy out of here? Basically, I said that. Stop nodding your head like that. It wasn't that bad. I overemphasized it. It was, well, yeah, so I did that, and then, <clears throat> that went really good, by the way. Um, now, boom on that one, and uh, Doug uh, helped, and the situation changed, and many of you had interesting things to say about that, um, things I might do to do this differently in the future, uh, and that was all uh, interesting for me, but uh, uh, I was going, God, what are you showing me here? I learned something pretty profound on the backside of that that was significant for me. What I was doing, I was missing something super important, by the way. What I was doing is I was uh, trying to tell you something about God so that you could respond to God and go out with whatever that is. That's not how this works, actually. What God showed me was that I am working in it now. This is a dialogue between me and you, Charlie, and me, and you, and you and I, and it's all happening in the moment. And the power of God showing up right here in this time is as important as what we're going to go do when we get out of here. So if that happens again, and it probably will happen again, we've had other things happen again, uh, I, I, I think what I'm going to do, because I've thought about it about a thousand times, 
is I'm going to go, uh, I got to sit down for a sec or just got to think. I got I to gotta pray, figure out. And the question is, Holy Spirit, what are you doing right now? What are you doing right now? I don't know what it would be, but I know this. I'm going to do the next thing he says. And it's the same whether you're standing up here or you're sitting out there. What are you saying? Holy Spirit, what are you saying right now? What are you doing right now? There have been times where that have been uh, hard to get through because something was going on. Holy Spirit, what are you doing right now? Because what's happening in this time may be more, more important than what we're talking about will happen when you go out there. And the value of the preached word according to Luke and according to the movement is huge. And his power in the present follows the word. We're seeing that. Now, in this example here, signs, they have power for signs and wonders and healing. And we believe that that is one of the signs of the Holy Spirit showing up uh, in the church. And uh, we, want, we want to move wherever God wants to move. You were just singing that. That was on purpose. You were singing that on purpose so that we can move wherever you're leading. I think there's five, though, evidences of the power of God showing up here in the house and through the spoken word. One is power for transformation. We've talked about this many times. And it's happening right now. Hey, did you see that? When people were doing those uh, cardboard uh, deals at uh, Easter, this is where my life was. And this is where it is. God has transformed my life. That's happening. We're seeing and hearing stories of that like never before. We are seeing, secondly, Unity, supernatural power for unity, which, by the way, is harder to pull off than any other miracle you ever wanted to try. You can pull it off for a week, maybe 10 days, some of us longer than others, but it's like swimming across the ocean. No one goes far enough. We need the Holy Spirit to give us supernatural unity, and that is what we're walking in. And as soon as we start walking in that, possibilities open up, and God's power can become present in all of these things. It's so powerful. Three is signs and wonders. It says it right there. The people, we, we believe that God is alive right now. His Holy Spirit is alive right now and wants to do things uh, right now. Four, there's power for salvation for people becoming Jesus followers. Actually, I believe that that's starting to happen around here. We're starting to see a whole pile of new Jesus followers be a part of the orchard right now. And fifth, uh, the release of generosity. I believe those are God's power showing up. Yeah. That's what it looks like. So the word is preached. God's power shows up. And then uh, it ends up where they go back, throw the map up <coughs> again. And they, it says they go back to Antioch. And I want to capture this. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed. I'm reading it to you again. To the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, get this. They gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. What did they do? They went back, and they gave the testimony about what happened. Okay? What's the testimony? Well, we saw this. We said this. God's power showed up, and we're telling you about it. You're kidding that happened. Are you serious? Well, if that happened, we could do it again, and they do two more missionary journeys, because that's the whole thing about a testimony. Testimony is, well, if that could happen there, it could happen here. You mean God did that? What happens to your faith when you hear that? Wow! He could do that again. 
Well, he might even want to do it bigger than the last time. Exactly. Get it? Preach the word. See God's power. Tell the story. Repeat. Preach the word. See God's power. Tell the story. Repeat. That's how a movement takes off. Preach the word, which we're going to do. We're going to do it with more intensity and more purpose. See God show up and tell the story. That's how it takes off. Here's a question I have, though, on the preach the word part. Okay, you have two people come in and hear the exact same thing and have completely different responses. How does that happen? How does that happen? I have had in the same exact Sunday, and I don't do that this, that, this much anymore. I can't even say that. We don't do this that much is what I'm trying to say. Somebody will come up and say, oh my gosh, God was speaking to me. It was like exactly what I needed. When I, when I was coming today and you said this part, and I'm listening, I'm going, I didn't even say that part. You know, I didn't even say that. I don't even recall that part. At least I didn't think that was the good part. Yeah, when you said that, God came in. And, and uh, I think, and they see transformation. And then, <clears throat> it can be the lineup, you know. The next person, they'll never say this, but you can overhear them telling the person next to them, holy cow. Whew, that was rough. You know, uh, you know, I don't know about this. Uh, um, not sure. Two weeks of that and I'm gone. Three weeks of that and I'm gone. I've, I've, heard, I've heard that as many times. It's like one person is going, God, what do you have for me? And the other person is going, win me over. Preacher, win me over. Come in here and uh, uh, I'm here and you, you give this in such a way where I'm going to say, okay, I like you now. Or I'm going to say, uh, yeah, you, you got me. I'll think about that. And then you take that and you put it in your thought process. Nothing changes. This person over here is going, oh, I just want to be fed. I wish they'd feed me here. This person here over here, oh my gosh, God was just there. How is that? I think, I think, it's, I think it's here in the scripture. I think, uh, actually two chapters later, um, this gal named Lydia uh, it says, I think verse 11 of 16, it says, and Lyd the Holy Spirit opened up Lydia's heart to receive, to receive the message that was preached. If you've gotten anything out of Acts, we started Acts chapter 2, right? The Holy Spirit comes down. Everything now is going to be by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit living through you, your ability to understand even what God is saying to you, whether it's in this setting or some other, is going to be because the Holy Spirit opens something up for you. So the prayer is going to be, I think, is going to be, Holy Spirit, on your way here, how about? Do you, I open my heart so that I can receive what you have for me. That's how it's going to work. Because if we win you over, matter of fact, Paul even called this the foolishness of preaching in second chapter of First Corinthians. He calls it the foolishness of preaching. We didn't come talk to you with uh, great arguments or uh, rhetoric, good philosophies. We just came with a simple message. Man, if you're ready to hear that, the Holy Spirit's preparing you to hear that. And what I'm trying to tell you is we've made a huge commitment to this ministry. 
And if you come in here and my man is preaching, I'll give you a pass on me. I'm good on that. But if my man is preaching and you don't get something from him, you didn't ask the question before you got here. I mean, you flat out didn't ask the question. Holy Spirit, open my heart so that I can receive something from you. Right. is very right. Preach it is what I'm hearing. I'm telling you, you didn't ask the question if you didn't get it. I'm pointing to his empty chair right there. It's where he usually sits. Because we prioritize that. Not only have we prioritized that, we put growth groups together so that you can get together and discuss what you heard. All our growth groups work on discussing what, uh, what we talked about here so that the spoken word that's here can have power in your life and then we can tell one another about it in testimony. Repeat, you get it? That's what we're doing. That's what we've done here. So it's a simple challenge. It's a really simple challenge and a really simple message. I'm just saying everything changes if on your way to the, this place you say, Holy Spirit, open up my heart to receive what you have for me. Because I'm pretty sure he's got more from you, for you than you're even aware of. That's how it works now. And that's like really cool news. That puts you in the movement, this simple vision of loving God and loving people. It's that's, he, he puts that, says something to you, you bring it, you love people better, things change, the kingdom takes off. That's how it works. Like I said, the message is really simple. Paul said, all I preach is, it's in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, all I preach is uh, Christ crucified. Everything we do, have you noticed, ends in communion here. I mean, Jesus is the only thing. It's the main thing. And we end with Jesus. Whether we're talking from the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Psalms, wherever it is, it ends with Jesus and what he did for us, Christ crucified. That's the core of what we're about. So, Here's the challenge. That's all it is. As you take communion today, all I'm saying, take it and say, Lord, open my heart so that I can receive what you have for me. Thank you for what you've given me. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. Let's pray. Lord, our prayer is simple. Open our hearts so that we can hear what you're speaking to us and help us to receive. In Jesus' name, amen.